0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The opinion line on Corks 96 FM. Spend a third of our life, approximately a third of our life, tucked up in bed, sleeping. Are we doing enough of it? Are we doing it well? If you work shifts in particular, how's your sleep? Someone said to me recently, we're talking about sleep just in in, in the office here, because uh, I'd said after a few, I was very tired, and I, I brought up this thing that I have that i i I only sort of admitted it to myself recently. I probably haven't slept well on a Sunday night in twenty years. And the other night, we came home from holidays after a very long day flying and traveling and dragging and hauling of luggage and stuff, I didn't sleep well at all that night. It's like Sunday night on steroids. Um, Sleep was described recently in a thing I was reading as a skill rather than something we have to do And you can get better at it You can teach yourself to sleep better Let's talk to Motti Varghese Motti is a respiratory therapist but also a sleep technologist and sleep physiologist. And and we'll start there, Matty, if we could please. Is sleep a skill rather than just something we we, we do as part of our day?
1: Morning. Good morning to you and good morning to all the listeners as well. I think what I would like to see is to see sleep as a natural process. And it happens no matter what. And all we need to do is to nurture that process by engaging in the right habits or the right behaviours that are associated with sleep. And also keeping the right beliefs about sleep, because it's when we when we form unhelpful beliefs or dysfunctional beliefs about sleep, we tend to become anxious about it. And as we become anxious, we become alert. And then that results in a poor night's sleep. So we need to focus on three factors. One is optimal habits, but habits alone don't bring a good night's sleep. We also need more helpful functional beliefs about sleep and also some relaxation practices that help us to be relaxed and calm closer to our bedtime. Yeah. Shift work in particular, people who work in shifts, there
0: was a stat on your Instagram that 59% of night shift workers are surviving in less than seven hours and day shift workers, it's a much smaller percentage Like night shifts, people who have long commutes to work, a long commute makes the the working day much, much longer. Sleep and shifts, how important is that?
1: Uh, It's it's very, very important. What happens with uh, what you mentioned when we have a long commute distance or we work very long hours is we don't have an adequate sleep opportunity. We don't have enough time to sleep. Uh, And in those instances, our sleep, Uh, quantity will be reduced, not because of the poor habits that we keep, but because of the compulsions of work and the commuting. And in those cases, we can accumulate a sleep debt and the sleep debt can result in fatigue and uh, it will have other consequences if you're engaging in safety critical tasks like driving if you haven't slept well or if you're not fully rested. And so that's something that we need to be careful about. But when we are working night shift, it is a different type of problem because our sleep phase is quite delayed. If our, let's say for for instance, if our sleep phase uh, for, for for an individual is between eleven p.m. and seven a.m., and suddenly when he has to sleep between eight a.m. and four p.m., it's a it's an eight or delay in his uh, eight or nine hours delay in his sleep phase, and that's a that's a different sort of problem and when we also when we work night shift we also have what we call the circadian misalignment we're supposed to stay awake during the daytime and sleep at nighttime. and when we try to do the exact opposite of it it results in the misalignment and we have to focus more on reshaping the pattern of our light exposure to sleep to optimize our sleep as much as we can uh, to sleep during the daytime
0: I'll come I'll come to light in a sec because I know you're you're a big advocate of controlling the light and how you (laughs) handle the light but take someone like a guard or a nurse uh, as a particular example yeah. of like Most. guards have to work a certain number of nights so you could go or, yeah. or nurse is the same you might have one week in four and you're on nights like, that's a total yeah. disruption of normality isn't it one week in four yeah. got to twist your whole pattern around to work nights and sleep by day that's very hard to get used to
1: Yes, it is. But but what we need to consider then is to gradually adapt to the night shift before we actually start the night shift itself. So in the last, uh, for for two or three nights before you go on the night shift, start going to bed later instead of going to bed at your usual bedtime of 11 p.m., do that for uh, go to bed at 12 midnight for one or two nights and then 1 a.m. for one or two nights and 2 a.m. for one or two nights. So you you gradually adapting yourself to sleeping at night, uh, sleeping during the daytime, instead of trying to shift from eleven pm to eight am. Mm. So a gradual acclimatization would be would be helpful, and also reducing our light exposure in the last couple of hours of the night shift, and also as we finish the night shift, to reduce the light as much as we can. There are safety concerns where people have to take responsibility for, um, and if, you, if they're feeling very sleepy before they leave work. Or maybe take 10 or 15 minutes now uh, but try and reduce the light exposure in the morning to protect the sleep hormone that we have uh, at the end of a very long night uh, yeah. and to make use of that to initiate sleep when they get home Yeah, you
0: talk a lot about light uh, and the control of, of light do, do I get the sense from what you say, Monty that light is the enemy of sleep
1: in a way? Uh, light and darkness gives the body the natural cue. it indicates to the body what time of the day it is. So naturally, if you, if you look at the prehistoric there's no artificial light exposure, and as the sun said, there was lack of light, and the body identified that as a time to go to bed and sleep, and it made it sleepy, and then sleep uh, followed. And that, that's what we need to consider, that we have to reduce light exposure at least in the last one or two hours uh, before our bedtime to send the right signal to the body that it is evening time. So the body will kickstart the production of certain sleep hormones like melatonin, yeah. which is naturally produced us, uh, and which will make us sleepy and, and results in sleep.
0: Yeah. I'm going to try and tidy up this phone line a little bit, uh, Monty, because there's a few things that I want to, to chat more to you about, particularly light. And we're at that time of the year now where we're in summertime or daylight saving time and all of that. we more light in the evening and more light in the morning and, and what we might do about that and what you think about something like changing from summer to winter time, should we actually do that? and How it might affect our sleep? I'm just going to just work in on tidying up that that phone line. I'm chatting with Marty Vargas. He is a sleep physiologist and an expert in the study of sleep, um, based uh, in in, in, um, in St James's Hospital for a number of years. But uh, yeah, that's is he back? He is back on online more. So Marty, thanks for that. Thanks for your patience no there. So the the let's deal about. We're in the brightest part of the year. Uh, right now um, these couple of months now, I, I always say to people I am a creature of the light I, okay. I hate the dark of winter I hate getting okay. up in the dark I hate coming home in the dark I
1: love yeah. the bright of summer but it can affect your sleep And um, That is right it, it can when we have the very long days So, so uh, and also it depends on what is our chronotype whether we are a morning type of people or evening type people or somewhere in the middle uh, and the evening type people will have a tendency to go to bed at a later time and wake up at a later time in the morning. So if they are getting a lot of light exposure in the evening time, the sleep phase is going to be pushed uh, forward or it's going to be delayed further, And which is something that we should try and avoid because 1 a.m. as it is, it's late. Uh, the morning type people will usually report difficulty that they're waking up earlier in the morning during the summer months. So we should try and avoid bright light exposure or reduce bright light exposure in the mornings to to make sleep last longer in the morning and reduce light exposure in the evening uh, for the evening type people to make sure that they can uh, initiate sleep at a reasonable time.
0: It's a strange one because I get up between half past five and quarter to six every morning and I find it so much easier to get up on the bright mornings of spring and summer than I do in the dark mornings of winter time.
1: Yeah, so the body clock... Uh, adjust itself a little bit in the morning hours in the summer months to wake up earlier in the morning, and hence it becomes a little bit easier to wake up in the morning mm. and be energized. Yeah, we're 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 being.
0: Actually, there's a the thing. Should we stick to one type of time, as in, should we stick to summer time as we call it, or stick to winter time? Have you a view on that?
1: Um, th- there has been talks about that in the EU, and there has been polls done on that. And um, I-, I think there is value and benefits in sticking to one time. What would they be? Uh, the winter time, if I can't remember correctly.
0: Mm, yeah, it's about the winter time because if we stuck with summertime, like if we stuck with this time, it'll still be dark at quarter past nine in December. Mm. There's the problem. Uh, they want Ireland to stick with summertime, um, but we don 't it, it would be not practical for us i think not practical for us Let, and st- another thing that brings light into the bedroom, of course, Motti, is phones and screens um we 're not we 're not going to go back to where we were are we We're the, the phones are going to be in our rooms for the rest of our lives because there are alarm clocks and everything else. How do we compensate for that
1: yeah I, I think it 's a reality, but I think we should definitely make an effort to at least reduce the uh, you know use of any sort of smart screens for the last one or two hours before your bedtime and it is to actually protect the sleep hormone melatonin that we produce in the last two hours before we fall asleep so we have a time point called dim light melatonin onset that's when the melatonin production starts so for for anyone who, who falls asleep at 11 p.m their melatonin production starts at 9 p.m and melatonin responds to light Uh, light inhibits melatonin and dim light or darkness stimulates the melatonin production. So, uh, And hence the advice of leaving it for two hours. And also the information that we are consuming in the evening hours can stimulate our mind and keep us awake and alert. Sleep is all about finding the right balance between sleepiness and alertness. And if you're sufficiently sleepy and if you're less alert, that will help us to get a better night's sleep. But if you're consuming all this information, whether booking holidays or doing online shopping, we're, we're you know, making ourselves feel more alert, which can have a negative effect on our sleep that night. Yeah, you know that thing that
0: happens, it happens to us, it certainly happens to me. You're you're in the, say, living room and you're having a read of a book and, and you're falling asleep into the book, so you put yeah. the way but right, it's time for bed. And by the time you're at the top of the stairs, you're wide awake
1: again. Yes, so uh, taking that little nap before your bedtime, also very close to your bedtime, is like having a snack before your main meal, and it takes your appetite. Off. So we are building up our sleep drive or sleepiness, or we can call it our appetite for sleep, while we're staying awake. And when we use that, when we take that nap, we're using some of that sleep drive that we were building up, okay. and then we don't have enough time before we... Uh, go to bed again if it is too close to our bedtime. So the general advice will be to avoid any nap for uh, after 4 p.m. I see. I see. And
0: if you're starting to fall asleep, we'll go to bed.
1: Um, that, that's a, an indication from the body that you're sufficiently sleepy, and it is um, time to go to bed and sleep. And that is, you know, if it is at, at a reasonably at a reasonably um, late time uh, and closer to your bedtime. Yes.
0: What about when you are? in bed and you can't sleep. So you're there, it's it's an hour before you need to get up and you just, nah, sleep yeah. is gone, you're done.
1: Do you get up? Uh, yes. So the, when we wake up at night, we have one opportunity to return to sleep and that's in the 20 minutes of waking up. And if you don't fall asleep in that 20 minutes, the chances are that we're going to get more anxious and frustrated, which brings more alertness. And we will stay awake uh, for the rest of the morning, if it is early in the morning, or uh, the middle of the ni- if it's the middle of the night. We take a long, very long can take a very long time to return to sleep. So the general advice would be then to get up, leave your bedroom for half an hour, and come back and start again. Mm-hmm. And of course, it is difficult, you know, if, if you're waking up at five and if your usual wake time is at six a.m. in the morning. But do give yourself an opportunity to to return to sleep and you know be mindful in bed, be uh, without having a lot of um, anxious thoughts, and see whether you return to sleep until until six a.m.
0: If you have a particular time that you need to get up, and this again is coming from personal experience, sure. A, a while back, I changed my time because I was setting the alarm every morning for about five minutes to six, and then I realised I was really sluggish. But one morning I had to be in a lit- here a little bit early, so I set the alarm for twenty minutes earlier, and I found, hey, it was a lot easier to get up. What's going yeah. on there?
1: Yeah, it's very possible that you you walk up at the end of a sleep cycle um, when you set the alarm earlier. I'm not asking people, members of the public, to uh, set the alarm to an earlier time, but you know if we can, can you experiment though? The, can you experiment with your getting up time? We, we can if we can if we don't set an alarm. Uh, and if we wake up naturally at a certain time, that can be uh, at the end of a sleep cycle and th- th- that would be our usual better. But a lot of us will be carrying a small amount of sleep debt. So if you can take a sleep holiday, you know, a lot of people are taking um, summer holidays. So, you know, don't set an alarm for two or three n- mornings and see what time you wake up. And after you pay off your sleep debt, you will start waking up at an earlier time. And we can assume that that is your natural wake up time then. And then adjust the alarm accordingly.
0: I see, I see. Of course, stress doesn't help. If you have stress of any kind, it doesn't help you to sleep.
1: Um, unfortunately, it doesn't because we, re- we release those stress hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, which brings alertness always. Um, and and yes, yeah, so it, we want to feel sleepy, we want to feel calmer and relaxed. And that's why the relaxation practices before our bedtime will always be helpful to uh, reduce the effect of that and be more calmer. Mm. Why why, why can you suddenly wake up all stressed at three o'clock in the morning? Yeah, yeah. And sometimes our brain gets conditioned to wake up at a certain time in the morning. And when we wake up uh, at 3 a.m., for instance, we'll have all these thoughts on what to do the next day or things that happened in the past. And and it is essentially becoming a time to have a meeting with ourselves. And what we need to try and do is to actually, we we need a meeting, but not at 3 a.m. in the morning. So move the meeting time to another time uh, the evening before so we advise people to engage in some journaling practices to reflect on their day and also make plans for the next day and also rationalize their anxieties while they're doing the journaling um, okay. early in the evening the previous uh, and okay. the previous evening yeah so
0: if you find your sleep being disturbed by something that you could have written down during the day then write it down
1: it's it's a process of putting our day to bed before we go to bed at night, essentially. I I so, it. once we can deal with all those thoughts, it will help to reduce the intensity of those thoughts, at least, even if they don't go away fully. Mm-hmm. And over several weeks, your brain will learn that you know, three in the morning is not the best time to have a meeting with ourselves, and there is a set time <laughs> yeah. uh, for that. And that that, that helps yeah. always. Sleeping pills,
0: lastly, are they any goods? I remember one time asking a doctor for one, and he said, hold on a one because we're having trouble sleeping. He says, Do you want to sleep or do you want to rest?
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, sleep medication, there are different views on sleep medications. From what I have seen, when it is prescribed at the right time, you know, but sleep is also about the confidence in sleeping. And once we lose that confidence, the anxiety creeps in and then it becomes difficult to return to natural sleep without, without help. So, sleep medications are helpful. If they are given at the right time, before the individual loses the confidence in sleeping, but most of the times what happens is people try and experiment and try to improve their sleep by themselves and before they look for help so that that is always a difficulty but cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia is a non medication method to treat sleep difficulty. Um, without using medications and naturally as well, and that's what we do in the sleep therapy clinic.
0: Yes, indeed, people can see more of that and more of your work and your research uh, at that website, sleeptherapy.ie. Monty Varghese, Th- Doctor Monty Varghese thank you very much for being with us on the opinion night. We spend a lot of time sleeping, so every so often we should probably talk about the concept of sleep. Quartz ninety six FM.